0: For more information on the Ex Mormon Files Internet Video Program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Ex Mormon Files. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I appreciate you spending some time watching us and uh, appreciate your support. I'm really thrilled tonight to introduce to you Richard Dutcher. You may know that name, he's a filmmaker. He's made some movies that you may have seen. God's Army, uh, Brigham City, and um, States of Grace. One of the a movie that I've just recently watched, and I'm just thrilled with it. It uh, has such... An interesting impact and, and a, a great storyline. He he's the producer, the writer, the well, not in, not in States of Grace, right? Producer, but uh, oh, I was a producer, yeah. Were you? I wasn't uh,
2: acting in States of
1: Grace, so right. that's one I took a sabbatical there. Also acted in uh, or mm-hmm. was was Elder Dalton in God's Army, right? Right. right. <laughs> so Richard, it's nice to have you here, and you've it's got such a here. rich story, and we'll get right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, and. But oh, you want to start family? from the beginning. Yeah, um, so yeah. uh, back um, in Illinois, I believe, right. Yeah Born
2: in Chicago, <laughs> Chicago,
1: yeah. Illinois, um,
2: and uh, grew up mostly in Southern Illinois. My family was from there for generations back. And yeah. so uh, religiously they were my father's family was Baptist, my mother's family was Pentecostal. Mm. And, uh, and so we lived mostly around my mother's family, so I grew up in the Pentecostal church. Um, in Mount Vernon, Illinois. And, uh, and we were Pentecostal until, uh, until a Mormon businessman came pulling into town in his Lincoln Continental and my, my mother fell for the guy and, (laughs) and, uh, married him. Obviously we were divorced. Yeah. Um, my, my father and her had divorced. And so then he took us off on a, an adventure that took us to Wisconsin and Kentucky and eventually Utah. Hmm. And so he made us, uh, he, he kind of adopted me into Mormonism when I was, uh, so I was baptized at eight, like okay. most. It was your most, mom converted then? My mother was. Did she my become a was,
1: member? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I do remember, though, it was funny, just a little funny story. They were all baptized by my stepfather, but I, I still didn't like him very much, so I requested that one of the missionaries baptize me, whose name was Elder Dalton.
1: Oh, interesting. And... Uh, <laughs>
2: So I was baptized by Elder Dalton, and my the rest of my family was baptized by my stepfather. Wow,
1: well now you, um, as a Pentecostal, I understood that from from an interview that you had done earlier, is on Mormon stories. By the way, um, had had that you weren't allowed to go to films.
2: No, we weren't allowed to see movies. An movie. interesting S- twist in
1: your life then, huh? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> we could see television at you know at home, but we couldn't go to the movies. Yeah. And so when the Mormon guy came around. The first time I saw a film was when I was seven years old, and I it it made it was John Wayne and the Cowboys. Yeah. And I saw it at the Granada Theater in Mount Vernon, Illinois, which was one of those big Art Deco yeah. things built in the 30s, and, right. and it was such a powerful experience for me that that uh, um, I mean it, it changed every. I, I still remember just the drive home. Everything in the world was so much more alive for me and and real to to see. And movie. I just knew that that's I didn't know what it was I was too young and Mm -hmm. I didn't you know my family had nothing to do with the film industry whatsoever (laughs) and so for me it was like I didn't know what that was but I knew I wanted to be a part of it and it was interesting for the way that Mormonism and my love of film kind of came into my life at the same time and then through throughout most of my life until I left Mormonism it was a very interesting dance struggle, fight, <laughs> um, and occasionally, uh, you know, com- occasionally compatible yeah. Uh, passions.
1: Yeah. Well, so you are active in, as a deacon teacher, the seminary thing and all that? Right, stuff, you know. right. Yeah, I was
2: uh, I was active, but I was always the, um, well, I was the little kid. So, you know, when you're, it, it, well, you know, the bishops <laughs> always call the, tall kids to be the leaders of everything is
1: that how we do it that's how you do it (laughs) that's inspiration for sure I noticed as
2: a short person it's like you know all the way through from deacon up till you're in the mission field it's always the tall guys that get the you know the leadership um, callings and so I was always on page three or four I didn't get that far (laughs) Um, I was so I was the studious I was very sincere studious Mm -hmm. I went through periods of uh, of uh, intense rebellion of course, I hit 16 and suddenly, you know, I took a, I took a couple of years off. <laughs> As many
1: do. As many do. Yeah. Um, then I served a mission and went to southern Mexico. I thought it was interesting. I, I remember hearing you say that someone had always asked you, well, where do you, where, where do you want to go on your mission?
2: Oh, and I would say anywhere but Mexico. <laughs> yeah. And I knew it, and it was the strangest thing when I got that mission call. Yeah. I hadn't even opened the paper yet, and I just knew that it was Mexico, and I... I, I was not looking
1: forward <laughs> to opening that up. But it turned out to be a great experience.
2: It was an, it was an amazing mission. I, yeah. I had a great experience. I was thrown in jail. I was I was I was in these tiny villages with no other no other gringos around for really? for miles and miles and it was quite mine was an adventure. I had a great adventure. Yeah. Um Well now, thank God I never I wasn't sent to Provo or something yeah
1: like that. You felt uh, Certainly had a testimony of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. In fact, you mm-hmm. mentioned being studious. You'd read, probably what you felt was a lot more than other missionaries had ever studied.
2: Oh right? yeah, I was I was pretty serious about it. I, I took it very seriously. Yeah. So, I remember starting to read the Old Testament when I was fourteen, and um, well, and finishing. And by the time I was in the mission field, I'd already read the Old Testament a couple of times and the Book of Mormon seven or eight times. The New Testament, you know, seven or eight times. So. Wow. I, I, it is. That's that's unusual. A lot different. Yeah. Whereas the other the other missionaries, um, <laughs> some of them didn't know that the Book of Moroni wasn't in the Old Testament. That's you know, right. It's that,
1: you know. Where do where do I find these books or <laughs> yeah. the scriptures?
2: Yeah. So for, so for me it was always uh, the religion itself was, and, and I don't know if it's just because I. I'm a reader. I like to read, but it was always very scripturally based. I was very interested, always, not so much in the culture. I'm not really. I'm not an extrovert. I'm a little bit more introverted than than uh, most, I think. And so the the social aspects of Mormonism weren't as important to me as the doctrine, the, doctrine, the history. Yeah, exactly. The history, the doctrine, the the yeah. narrative, which you know, to me which is a very powerful narrative. I think back on this now. You know, we talk about Mormonism coming into my life as a seven-year-old boy.
1: Yeah.
2: And that, that particular narrative, you know, of a 14-year-old boy yeah. seeking truth and seeking God and going into the woods and having a vision and starting this movement, and it's it's the Old West with guns and, <laughs> and the frontier, and it's like that is a very powerful narrative that... Uh, I can see why, as a young boy, that really appealed to me, mm. you know? Yeah. Plus all the women yeah. that he had. <laughs> well,
1: and it 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 feels good. Yeah. I mean, that whole yeah. thing. That, it's a great story. Yeah, it's a great story. Is. So you end up going to, uh, coming home from your mission, then what happens? Came
2: home from my mission, worked a little bit, visited my, my parents at that time, stepped Father and mother had also divorced, and my mother had left the church, and my father was about to be um, ushered out of the church, <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, unwillingly. Yeah. And um, so I visited them. went went to BYU to study film because. Uh, not out of any religious conviction, but they had offered the the best scholarship. So
1: for filming. For film program. They yeah. were a wonderful program, right?
2: Well actually I didn't get a scholarship for film, I got it for leadership or journalism or something. Oh. So uh, that's why I went to BYU, spent three years there, met a met a great lady while I was there, got married, and then immediately afterwards just we packed up our our little Plymouth horizon with everything we owned and and went off to Los Angeles to see what we could make happen.
1: Oh, in the process then, you, uh, you're
2: still active in the church? Still active, yeah. Well, actually, during BYU, I wasn't very active.
1: I, I have a... In the student um, wards, you mean? Yeah, or? I was
2: not active because I I um, I think just my personality... Well, it's the same thing when we moved to Utah when I was a teenager. We moved to Salt Lake City, and that's when I became inactive. There's something about... I. I don't want to be part of the majority. There's something in me that just rebels against. Yeah. So it, it, it's been pretty much every time I've come to a place where the, every time in my life where I went to a place, whether it was BYU, whether it was Salt Lake as a teenager, um, and when I came back, you know, eventually to Utah, there's just something about it that I, I just cannot be a part of the majority. It's uh, there's a nonconformist part of me that, uh, and and there's something I, that's, I you some see, that you see to me thinking or something. Don't yeah, well, something and there's and the, the false the falseness, and the evils of uh, uh, evils is the wrong word, but hypocrisy but is there, the hypocrisies is there in there? In there? the uh, the cultural. Um, aberrations yeah. that uh, you don't see in Mormonism when you're in California, when you're in Kentucky. You you know, the community is different. More, more
1: and, prevalent here in Utah. But it?
2: when you get into the heart of the culture, and in the heart of the monoculture, you know, the it expresses itself in a way that I actually can't, I, I find repulsive and I just can't be a part of it. You're you know? very
1: sensitive to that kind yeah. of... Yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, but, it does, absolutely. But yeah, there's is. a
2: great quote in the movie, I think it's Boys in the Hood, where the dad's telling his boy, where he's like, anytime you see a, you know, if you see a group of people walk in the other direction or something <laughs> like that, you know, that's always <laughs> Don't be the part of the
1: crowd. <laughs> yep. yeah.
2: yeah, or if you, if there's a great quote, what is it? If you find yourself a part of the majority... Um, you better stop and question it, or something like that. I can't <laughs> I remember, know that that. One, but that's right? that's my that's the way
1: I okay. naturally think. So tell us what what went on in L.A. Then did you begin doing films? And
2: well, I went to Los Angeles to learn, basically, um, well, to make independent film. That was the whole point. Yeah. And so I would try to get any job as an actor, as a director, as a writer. Um, and of course, I was a young, inexperienced kid with all I had was a film degree from BYU. <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get much work. I got a little work, but I didn't get much work. But I learned a lot Start
1: learning the trade,
2: and right? And um, and then I made my first film, first full-length film while I was down there. And that is where I really learned how to make, you know, I, that was the real education. College was you know, yeah, that's what it was. Get you
1: through that, but, but so tell us about on. God's Army then. Was that the that wasn't his first film? No, the first film was called Girl Crazy. Okay and then
2: uh, i had a, that and and that had been a a very difficult film to make it had taken me about 4 to 5 years to the whole process of wow. r- trying to raise money trying to get it made finally getting it shot you know editing it trying to raise the money to finish it and then i mean it was by the, from the time i started it until i finally sold it to hbo cinemax it was it was about 5 years and i had decided at that point that and you know, it was just a fluffy little romantic comedy it wasn't going to make any difference in anyone's life nobody would think about it 30 minutes after they saw it (laughs) and so I decided I was never going to do that again because I'd risked so much and invested so much Mm. and and it had been so much of my life that I just decided I'm not going to do that again if I'm going to make another film it's going to and I am going to make another film it's going to have to be something that is worth five years of my
1: life yeah because it takes that kind of a commitment, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. your wife was okay with everything? My wife very, very supportive. She was,
2: uh, well, she met me. I was a poor actor <laughs> at BYU. Yeah. Uh, nothing, you know, no money, no car. All mm-hmm. I had was charm and cockiness. And <laughs> and so, uh, and she knew what, you know, what yeah. I was going to do. I wasn't, you know.
1: Yeah. And I didn't, I don't know if it was mentioned earlier, but you did, do have seven children. I have seven children. Yeah. And so she was busy, and yeah, in they came. Life. They didn't all come at once, no, though. Of they came.
2: Not. <laughs> uh, our first child came, Lucas. He came about three years after we were married,
1: hmm.
2: and then uh, about every three years after that, we had, had a, we had mm-hmm. another baby. So we we uh, that was just, hmm.
1: um,
2: but it was it was an adventure, you know, being yeah. a young struggling filmmaker in Los Angeles was a, was an adventure, and then I made God's Army there. And um, again, it was, it did turn out again to be a five-year process of, you know, because it was so hard to raise money and convince people that a movie about Mormon missionaries would be something that would would work, would make money. So it took me a very long time to get that going. And once I had it, I thought, I knew that I was gonna begin marketing it here in Utah. And so I thought, I'm gonna be in Utah for at least nine months to a year. I don't want to be away from my family so we just decided to move back Didn't
1: come back to Utah okay and, um, and that was around 2000 that or was so. the year 2000 and, yeah. and it w- very was very popular God's Army yeah it was, what kind uh, of responses did you get
2: we got it was very satisfying I, I remember in fact I remember there was a Mormon friend of mine Rick in who's an editor down in, in Los Angeles and he knew how I was working on this film for so long and and I told him, you know, we were at a, I think we were at watch some some bad movie in pass or in Glendale, and the I think it was a Robin Williams movie. But there was a line down the block, and, and I told him I was like, when I finish God's Army, there's going to be lines around the block to watch this movie. He was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I was convinced. I mean, it, and to me, it was just a complete. I mean, it was a no-brainer. It was like if you know, Mormons don't have any. They're not like Pentecostals. They can see movies. They right. love movies. Yeah. Um, especially about themselves probably right yeah. well they hadn't really had any that no. was the point point. Yeah. And, and so i you know i just broke it down into numbers and i was like you know there were i went and found out exactly how many living ex-missionaries there were and i said if only five percent of all living ex-missionaries <laughs> see this film we're going to make money break. <laughs> and even with those kind of numbers i had the hardest time um you know and you know what it was this is a um I, I went at it. I was a very idealistic young man, so I always went at it. I went at these rich Mormon guys, and it was always this feeling of mission, like we should do this. This is something that, you know, yeah, I the think spread the, Lord, the word spread and, the word. Yeah, sure. And then one day I woke up, because it wasn't working after years of that approach, it wasn't working. And so finally, after hearing a Hugh Nibley talk where he talked about the things that everybody wants... You know, or money. What is it? Money, sex, power, and fame. He goes, "That's it. That's it. That's what everybody." And I started to focus on that
1: uh-huh. with
2: the rich Mormons, and, and so I was, you know, in, instead of trying to hook them with "Let's do some good," it was, "I'm going to make you a lot of money." Yeah,
1: did that was a little more and successful. And that was a
2: far more <laughs> successful approach. So interesting. I learned an interesting lesson. Yeah, <laughs> there.
1: Well, you've you've had such a, a rich experience of all kinds of things, but tell us a little bit about then your. What kind of brought you to a point where you were questioning the church? What happened there?
2: Well, in essence, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but um, I, I had been a very, as as I mentioned, very studious. Yeah. And I had they they talk about you know having the shelf behind you and all the things you put on the shelf that you know there's no answers for. And and as I mentioned to you in a private conversation, I was I I kind of prided myself on being this great apologist for Mormonism. There was, you, you could bring up anything, and I could explain. you have an
1: answer for
2: it. How it would, uh, you know, how to explain it. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that included, you know, Joseph Smith playing around with uh, Orson Hyde's wife while he was off dedicating the Holy Land. I mean, I had answers for everything. And um, and I had gotten to a point in my life where I had, it was an interesting place because now my career was very much a part of my I mean my livelihood was very much a part of my spiritual journey and my, my church affiliation. And I was living the gospel as I understood it, the Mormon, you know, gospel, Mormon point of view on the gospel. As well as I think I humanly could. You know, there wasn't, you know, people say, this This is one thing that drove that actually made me get up and leave a church one time after I'd had my experience, but there was a, a stake, counselor in the stake presidency or stake high councilman who came to, and he, and he talked about, he was quoting some former prophet, and he said, nobody loses their testimony except through sin. And I was so offended by that because it was like, I knew that I that was not that was my story true. at all, yeah. you know. But to get back to it, I was neither. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's the expect, and that's what yeah. I found afterwards was that was the understanding. Everybody's like, "Oh, he left the church. He he, he must, must be do sinning. Right? He's up to something." Yeah, now, we don't yeah. know what it is, but he's up to something. Yeah. Um, I did get up to some things later, but but <laughs> that's not when I left the church. But I, uh, yeah. So so in short, there there is. You mentioned the Mormon stories. Uh, interview and if anybody's interested in kind of an in-depth we, we spent a lot of time talking about this but but in short as an yeah, answer to uh, to prayer yeah you know after after prayer i was just sitting and meditating and and i asked myself a question that i hadn't asked myself since i was 14 years old when i was seeking my testimony at that point i, I just asked myself what if it's all what if it's just not true and there was this the best I can describe it it was the most clear the most pure the most direct voice that was from the deepest part of me just said of course it's not true and it and it, it was as shocking as I, I, it was so strange to me because one minute I was an active, believing Latter-day Saint. I knew who God was. I knew what the universe was. I knew my place in it. You know it. where
1: you fit in, and
2: right. And then, you know, thirty literally thirty seconds later, I knew that I knew nothing, and that, and it, and it was it was absolutely terrifying. And I've, I've described it. It was like I was, I was sitting in bed with my back against the the wall. And it was like, I, and I felt it was like those movies, the you know, Star Wars or whatever, where you see the or in, in space movies where you know one piece of the spacecraft disengages and it just kind of starts to drift off. away, and you know it's just going to continue forever to drift away, far and farther and farther, and there's no and way you can get back, it back. Yeah. And I actually, it was like that. It felt like it, my faith was had disengaged, and I could actually just kind of f- feel it, like it was leaving, and there was no. Coming back, <laughs> and have you
1: learned or confirmed over the years now that this that was a good that was a good answer to your prayer? Oh, absolutely, yeah.
2: absolutely, absolutely terrifying though, because to me at that yeah. at that point it was like, what do I do this with this now? Yeah. yeah, I mean my my family, I'm raising children. Yeah, where everybody. I I'm mean, a, your temple I'm, recommend holder, and you've been right? through the temple, I'm, and I'm known as a mormon filmmaker as the mormon filmmaker you know and that's right as the father of mormon cinema yeah and it was it was hard and it took me i mean it, it was like a year and a half of me well interestingly right after i had this experience i was able to pull together the funding to make this movie in <laughs> the states of grace oh yes yeah. and so i went off to los angeles to make that with my head still in the space of like i don't know what is going on um, and holding on to the script that I, that I had written and yet trusting in in God that He would pull me through it, you yeah. know.
1: Well, it, the, the story of States of Grace just includes Mormons and, and their challenges and other Christian ideals. It's just a wonderful, wonderful story. But I did like one thing that you said about um, uh, in an, or talking about this, was that uh, the answer that you got really answered all the other questions that you had had, right? The ones on the shelf, just right. that one answer, right? Uh, of Joseph Smith, I suppose, just coming to grips with that answers all those other questions, right. it Takes care of the polygamy and the masonry and the right. Book of Mormon, Book of Abraham, and it just, right.
2: right. Well, that's something I found as, as, my, as an amateur apologist was, you know, you'd go from one, and I and I kind of look at it as, you know, you'd go from one tree to the next in the forest, and you'd argue about that tree, and then you'd come to a standstill. Yeah. Then you move on to the next tree, but, but eventually you've got 300 trees. You've got an entire forest here, and you can go, you can spend all your time working on these trees, but if you step back and look at the whole forest, there's one answer that solves everything, you know, and... Mm-hmm. And that's what became very clear to me, clear to me at that point. And so, it it is the one thing I think I've had so many people say, you know, you took the easy way out, and Mm. and people have no idea. In fact, the easy way out would have been
1: just to stay. You've sacrificed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I even
2: had a friend when I was trying to uh, trying to figure out what to do, and I said, I think I have to you know come out and tell people that i don't believe anymore i have to leave you know i have to really leave i was i was no longer attending but everyone assumed that
1: you were busy or doing something yeah
2: and um and he told me just don't do it i was like why he's like well you're never going to get funding for your films and it was like i can't stay i can't stay and pretend to believe something that i no longer believe so that i can get funding for my films that's that's pathetic that was
1: have you felt a freedom from all this is it has it been a good journey for you it's been a
2: good journey but a very very hard one I've lost so much so much um, so much <laughs> but I but it is but I don't see how I could have done anything else, if that makes any sense. I don't see no, how you I can understand. live any other way, you well, know. So. I
1: felt the same way. I mean, once the once the eyes are open, once you see things the way they are, uh, there's no backing, you right. can't, like you're saying, drifting apart. You just, you know, you're never going to go back there. Right. Yeah.
2: And for me, the inter- it was interesting because I, I was trying to work my way through this entire, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? And one, t- one night I was in a restaurant in Sandy, Tiburon Restaurant, and yeah, I, I decided I wanted a glass of red wine, so I was drinking a glass of red wine, and I happened to look over to the table, and there was some guy over there who was giving me the dirtiest look, just the nastiest look, and I realized, he, kn- he recognizes me, he knows who I am, he doesn't know that I no longer believe and that I've left the church, oh. and... And then I, within a couple of days, I was in a grocery store, and some some sister came up to me in Springville, I think it was, and she was telling me how how much I inspired her son to go on a mission, and and which was great. I, I don't, yeah. you know, I I still love to hear those stories, but but yeah. I felt like she was thinking that I was someone that I wasn't, and so I felt duplicitous. Yeah. And, and so and I knew that the guy at the restaurant thought that I was a hypocrite, even though I wasn't. And so at that point. The Daily Herald actually in Provo had asked me to write something so I wrote this basically an exit to my exit from Mormonism and as soon as I went out publicly and said I no longer believe I've left the church, um, that's when things got especially difficult because people came, some people were very angry. About that. Well,
1: Richard, I know people are going to wish we had a lot more time, and maybe we'll have to rearrange this and 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 give you another opportunity to share a little bit more because you have such a rich story, and and as someone who has sacrificed a lot, I know you've given up a lot for for your faith, and and uh, and but you wouldn't change change anything, right? right? Yeah. So thanks, Richard. I appreciate it very much, and appreciate you watching, and we'll catch you on another episode of Ex-Mormon Files.
0: This has been the audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit ExMormonFiles.com.